for the rest of us. My name is Ryan Goodnight, and this is our fifth video in the series called The Scapegoat. In the last video, we saw that beyond forgiveness, Christ will also create for us a personal exodus from our Egypt, or a place where sin is reigning in our lives. He will give us a new identity, and we will become a new creation that is capable of dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Today, we will consider the scapegoat concept and see how Jesus did more than just provide a way for us to be forgiven for our sins. In previous videos, we talked about Adam and Eve being expelled from the Garden of Eden. Thinking about that event, here's a question that I would like to ask you. After they were expelled, after they left the Garden of Eden, where is it that Adam and Eve went? Where did they go? Well, if we consider the details of the scripture, what we'll find out is that there was nothing outside of the Garden of Eden but wilderness, both figuratively and literally. And that's another theme that we see that runs through scripture that we want to be mindful of. So up to this point, we've talked about three other themes. We've talked about a temple theme, a priesthood theme, a theme of God dwelling with men, and we're also going to add to our understanding this theme of wilderness. Now, how the wilderness is important to us is what we find is that God will not allow sin to reign unchecked in his holy temple. Uh, unrepentant sin, uncontrolled sin, it cannot dwell in the presence of the Lord. Uh, he will remove sin from his presence, and we see, we see this happen multiple times through Scripture. We'll consider a few of those. In the event of Adam and Eve we see that he removes the sin from his temple that he has created in the Garden of Eden by expelling Adam and Eve from uh, the home that he created. We see other examples of this occurring in Scripture. Uh, in Genesis chapter 4, for example, with Cain. Think about that event. Uh, Cain uh, is warned uh, to change his attitude towards his brother, but Cain doesn't listen. He murders Abel. What does the scriptures tell us happens after Cain has murdered his brother? It goes on to tell us that he goes out from the presence of the Lord and he goes to the land of the east. We see the same theme happen in Ezekiel's vision that we see in chapter 10. God continues to warn Israel to turn from their sin, uh, to leave their idolatry, to, 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 to turn away from the other mistakes that they're making, but Israel will not listen. Sin is reigning in Jerusalem. Uh, Israel has turned itself over to the uh, authority of, of other gods, of other idolatry, of other things they're pursuing other than Yahweh. And so God eventually says enough is enough. And what we see in this vision is that God departs the temple. We see his glory leave, his presence leave the most holy place. And he leaves Jerusalem and he goes into the wilderness and separates himself from what's happening in the city of we see the same theme happen again in Revelation chapter 12. What does that, uh, those words tell us? It says that war broke out in heaven, that uh, the devil and his angels battled against Michael and his angels. But as that war plays out, what we see is that the scriptures tell us no place was found for Satan any longer in heaven. Satan is removed from God's presence. He's removed from the holy temple and he is thrown down to the earth. Satan is cast out because of the sin that is reigning uh, through Satan and through his influence. So since God and sin cannot cohabit, sin cannot just be forgiven, 
but it has to be removed from God's temple. It has to be removed from his presence. And that ties in well to the whole point that we're making. Jesus accomplished more than just forgiveness, but he dealt with sin itself. And that is part of what we're going to consider today. This leads us to the actual concept of the scapegoat. Once God gets Israel out of Egypt and he gets them into the wilderness at the foot of Mount Sinai, he begins to teach them all of these uh, steps, all of these processes that they must go for, uh, go through to be able to dwell in the presence of the Lord again. One of these concepts that he teaches them is the scapegoat concept that we see in Leviticus chapter 16. If you'd like to open your Bibles there, we're going to start reading in verse 7 to begin with. Notice what we read in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 7 through 9 about the scapegoat. Starting in verse 7, it says, And he shall take the two goats. So it's talking about the high priest. The high priest Aaron shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Now that tent of meeting that we're reading about, that's the tabernacle. That's what we've been discussing back in the in previous episodes of, of what we read in Exodus. So Aaron is supposed to bring these two goats before the tent of meeting, before the tabernacle, before the presence of the Lord. It goes on to say, And Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot, and notice this, for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell, and he shall make it a sin offering. So there is the forgiveness concept, the one that the goat that's the sin offering, the one that's about to be sacrificed and his blood poured out, uh, that's the sin offering that we know applies to Jesus later on in the scriptures. That goat just paid the price for the sin. His blood was poured out, and his blood acts as the cleansing mechanism for the sins that the people have, 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 uh, have done. But what about that second goat? We read about two goats in those verses. What's the point? What's the purpose? What happens to that other goat that we read about? Let's keep reading. Still in chapter 16, let's go to verse 10. Notice what the scriptures go on to say. It says, but the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. So notice that theme we talked about, the wilderness theme. That's going to be important to our understanding what the purpose of the scapegoat is. Um, let's drop down to verse 21 and read there. It says, then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the hand on the head of the live goat. This is the scapegoat. And it says that Aaron shall confess over it all the iniquities or all the sins of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regards to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat. And notice this. He shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all of their iniquities, all of their sins, and it shall bear it away to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So forgiveness did have to occur for the sins that have been committed, and that was the purpose of the first goat. It is sacrificed. It is offered up. Its blood is poured out uh, to pay the price for the sins that have been for the sins that have been committed. But sin itself could not remain in the camp. Sin could not remain where God's presence dwelt. So the sin was cast upon this scapegoat, and this goat was let out from the camp. The sin was removed with the goat. 
was led away into the wilderness, away from the presence of God, and it was left there and not allowed back into God's holy presence. Do you see the tie back into what happened with Adam and Eve and in the Garden of Eden? The sin that fell upon Adam and Eve when they made the decision to eat from the tree, that sin, that reign, that dominance, that influence in their lives, it could not stay in the presence of the Lord. So Adam and Eve had to be removed from the Holy Temple. They had to be removed from God's presence, and thus they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. The same is happening with this scapegoat in the nation of Israel. Their sins are cast upon it, and the sin is let out from the camp. It is let out from the presence of the Lord into the wilderness, and it is not allowed back into the camp. That is the concept that we see with what God taught Israel with this concept of the scapegoat. So, how does this apply to Jesus Christ? How did he play the role of both the sacrificial goat as well as the scapegoat that we read about in, in Leviticus. Well, let me share another scripture with you, one in the New Testament that we find. Open your Bibles to the book of John. Turn to verse uh, to chapter 1, and let's read verse 29 together. And notice what John the baptizer says about Jesus Christ. It says this, it says, The next day when John the baptizer saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice how Jesus, or how John didn't just say, behold, the Lamb of God who perpetually forgives us for all the dumb things that we do on a Friday night. Or behold, the Lamb of God who forgives us for every sin, every mistake, everything that we continually do for through our lives. No, he describes Jesus as this. He says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, just like we saw in the scapegoat in the book of Leviticus. Like those two goats we read about, Jesus was presented alive for sacrifice. And when he was nailed to the cross, sin was nailed up there with him. And when he died, not only did he pay the price that our sins require, but he also took away the power of sin uh, that it has over us in our lives. He took away the power of sin and he led it into the wilderness of death whenever he died upon not only are we forgiven because Christ paid the price, but also the reign of sin has been broken. It has been removed from us and it has been replaced by the Holy Spirit since we are now a temple of the Lord, a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell in us and through us. Sin no longer has authority over us, but we now have power over sin. And because of that power, because of that status, because of that condition, because of the fact that not only are our sins forgiven, but that sin no longer reigns among us, now we are able to dwell with the Lord. Paul talks about this concept whenever he addresses the Roman, uh, the Roman congregation. He says in Romans chapter 6, notice verse 11, he says, So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in our mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. He goes on to say in verse 14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So there is that concept we're talking about. No longer does sin reign over us if we are alive in Christ. 
if we have become his disciples, if we are following him where he leads us, no longer are we under the dominion of sin and its influences, but we are in a place where God dwells with men and where forgiveness and grace reigns. So here's the question I would ask you. Who rules you? Is it sin? Do we turn ourselves over to the passions of our bodies and to the desires of this world? If sin is who rules over you, then we are unable to dwell in God's dominion. The Bible tells us that we cannot slave for two masters. One must go. We can either uh, allow ourselves to be controlled by sin, or we can follow Jesus to a place where God dwells with men. Do you only desire forgiveness? Or do you understand and want to dwell in the presence of the Lord? Is it his dominion that you submit yourselves to, or is it the reign and the dominion of sin? If we follow Jesus, if we choose to leave Egypt, to leave a place where sin reigns and follow him to the place where Jesus leads us, this is a place where we can dwell with the Lord and where forgiveness is present for all. Each of us should ask ourselves, what is it that we are wanting from Jesus? Are we just here for the benefits like we read about last video in David and Psalms 103? Are we only here for the forgiveness or do we understand that what it is that Jesus is really accomplishing for us is the removal of the influence of sin from us so that we can once again dwell with the Lord? Are you looking for forgiveness as a way of life so that you can live it separate from God? Or do you look forward to dwelling in his presence, to being in a restored relationship that leads to forgiveness uh, as God dwells with us? Jesus went to the extreme to pay the price for us. And as a scapegoat, he went to the extreme to remove sin from the camp, to remove it from our lives, to remove it from our congregations. Yet many Christians welcome that goat and the sin that it carries right back into their camp. They welcome it right back into their lives and right back into churches. This concept, this idea, is how we will conclude this series. We will discuss in our next video how it is that modern-day Christians have welcomed that scapegoat back in, along with the sin and the influence of the My name is Ryan. Good night.